Section 20 of The Science, History of the Universe, Volume 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Gantz. The Science, History of the Universe, Volume 8. Edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Mathematical Applications, Chapter 2. Chronology and Orology, Part 1. Although the ancients gave so much of their attention to understanding and recording the facts of astronomy, yet there was very little systematic attention given to the computation of time or to the chronological aspect of history. Chronology is comparatively a modern science, yet a highly important one. Accurate chronology is essential to all reasoning from historical facts. The mutual dependence and relations of events cannot be traced without it. With great propriety it has been called one of the eyes of history, while geography with equal propriety has been said to be the other. Present acquaintance with the truths of astronomy would have been as deep had Eastern philosophers never turned their eyes to the realms of space or watched the harmonious movements of the worlds in the firmament above. The moment, says Sir John Herschel, astronomy became a branch of mechanics, a science essentially experimental, that is to say, one in which any principle laid down can be subjected to immediate and decisive trial, and where the experience does not require to be waited for. Its progress acquired a tenfold acceleration, nay, to such a degree that were the results of all the observations from the earliest ages annihilated, leaving only those made in Greenwich Observatory during the single lifetime of masculine, the whole of this most perfect of sciences might, from those data and as to the objects included in them, be at once reconstructed, and appear precisely as it stood at their conclusion. The operation, indeed, of Arabian knowledge of astronomy in the early ages was perhaps principally to lend a plausibility to astrology. The observers of the stars, like Columbus predicting the eclipse, had the power of astonishing when they prepared to delude. The most obvious measures and divisions of time are those suggested to all men by the revolutions of the heavenly bodies. These are three, days, months, and years, the day from the revolution of the earth on her axis or the apparent revolution of the sun around the earth, the month from the periodical changes in the moon, the year from the annual motion of the earth in her orbit round the sun. These three divisions are not commensurate, and this has caused the chief embarrassment in the science of chronology. It has, in point of fact, been difficult so to adjust them with each other in a system of measurement as to have the computed time and the actual time perfectly in agreement or coincidence. The day was undoubtedly the earliest division, and originally was distinguished, it is likely, from the night and extended from sunrise to sunset. It was afterwards considered as including also the night, and was marked as the time from sunrise to sunrise. But the beginning of the day has been reckoned differently by different nations, for civil purposes. At sunrise by the Babylonians, Persians, and Syrians, and inhabitants of India. At sunset by the Jews, Athenians, ancient Gauls, and Chinese. At midnight by the Egyptians, Romans, and moderns generally. Astronomers in their calculations consider the day as beginning at noon, after the manner of the Arabians. There have also been various modes of subdividing the day. The division of time into hours is very ancient, the oldest hour being the twelfth part of a day. Herodotus observes that the Greeks learned from the Egyptians, among other things, the method of dividing the day into twelve parts, and the astronomers of Cathaya still retained that method at the time of Herodotus. The division of the day into twenty-four hours was not known to the Romans before the Punic War. The Greeks in the time of Homer seem not to have used the division into hours, 
His poems present the more obvious parts of the day, morning, noon, and evening. But before the time of Herodotus, they were accustomed to the division of the day and of the night also into twelve parts. They were acquainted also with the division of the day and night into four parts each, according to the Jewish and Roman custom. The Romans subdivided the day and night each into four parts, which were called vigils, or watches. They also considered the day and night as each divided into twelve hours. Three hours, of course, were included in a vigil. The day vigils were designated simply by the numerals, first, second, third, fourth. But as the second vigil commenced with the third hour, the third vigil with the sixth hour, and the fourth with the ninth hour, the terms first, third, sixth, and ninth are also used to signify the four vigils of the day. The night vigils were designated by the names Vesper, Evening, Midnight, and Cockcrow. The first hour of the day began with sunrise, and the twelfth ended at sunset. The first hour of the night began at sunset, and the twelfth ended at sunrise. Of course, therefore, the hours of the day in summer were longer than those of night, and in the winter they were shorter. The division of time into months, without much doubt, had its origin in the various phases or changes of the moon. It included the time of the moon's revolution round the earth, or between two new moons, or two successive conjunctions of the sun and moon. The mean period is twenty-nine days, twelve hours, forty-four minutes. It was considered to be twenty-nine and a half days, and the ancients commonly reckoned the month as consisting alternately of twenty-nine and thirty days. The Greeks thus reckoned their months. Twelve lunations so computed formed the year, but it fell short of the true solar year by about eleven and a quarter days, making in four years about forty-five days. To reconcile this and bring the computation by months and years to coincide more exactly, another month was intercalated every two years, in the first two years a month of twenty-two days, and in the next two a month of twenty-three days. Thus, after a period of four years, the lunar and solar years would begin together. But the effect of this system was to change the place of the months relatively to the seasons, and another system was adopted. This was based on the supposition that the solar year was 365 and a quarter days, while the lunar was 354, which would in a period of eight years give a difference of 90 days. The adjustment was made by intercalating in the course of the period three months of 30 days each. Its invention was attributed to Cleostratus of Tenedos. It was universally adopted and was followed in civil matters even after the more perfect cycle of Meton was known. With the Romans, the case was somewhat different. Under Romulus, they are said to have had only ten months, but Numa introduced the division into twelve, according to that of the Greeks. But, as has been seen, this formed only a lunar year, a little more than eleven days short of the solar year. Therefore, an extraordinary month was to be inserted every other year. The intercalating of this and the whole charge of dividing the year was entrusted to the pontifices, and they managed, by inserting more or fewer days, to make the current year longer or shorter, as they for any reason might choose. This finally caused the months to be transposed from their stated seasons, so that the winter months were carried back into autumn and the autumnal into summer. Julius Caesar put an end to this disorder by abolishing the intercalation of months and by adopting a system which was available by the more accurate division of the year. A consideration of the division of the year takes the historian back to the twilight of history. It is well known that the Babylonians had a system of notation called the sexagesimal, which reveals a high degree of mathematical insight. It was used chiefly in the construction of a system of weights and measures, and reveals some knowledge of geometrical progressions. 
but the indications are that it was in the possession of few and was used but little. The base of this system was the number 60. The Babylonians reckoned the year at 360 days. The Grecian year, however, which was established by Solon and continued to the time of Meton and even after, consisted of 365 and a quarter days. This division was probably not formed until considerable advance had been made in astronomical science, and it was long after its first adoption before it attained to anything like an accurate form. The Roman year seems to have consisted of 365 days until the time of Julius Caesar, who attempted to remedy the confusion resulting from the method employed by the Romans to adjust their computations by lunar months to the solar year. Caesar instituted a year of 365 days and six hours. To remove the error of 80 days, which computed time had gained of actual time, he ordered one year of 445 days, which was called the year of confusion. To secure a proper allowance for the six hours which had been disregarded, but which would amount in four years to a day, he directed that one additional day should be intercalated in the reckoning of every fourth year. Thus each fourth year should have 366 days, the others 365. This is called the Julian year, and begins to show some of the familiar landmarks of modern chronology. But even in the plan of the great Julius there was still a fault, owing to an error in computed time. The extra day was intercalated too soon, that is, computed time, instead of gaining six hours a year as was supposed, gained only five hours, forty-eight minutes, and fifty-seven seconds, so that a whole day was not gained in four years. The intercalated day was inserted too soon by forty-four minutes and twelve seconds, and of course computed time by this plan lost forty-four minutes and twelve seconds every four years, or eleven minutes and three seconds every year. In 131 years, this makes a loss of computed time of one day, or computed time would be one day behind actual time. In 1582 AD, this loss had amounted to ten days, and Pope Gregory XIII attempted to remedy the evil by a new expedient. This was to drop the intercalary day every hundredth year except the four hundredth. The Gregorian year was immediately adopted in Spain, Portugal, and Italy, and during the same year in France, in Catholic Germany in 1583, in Protestant Germany and Denmark in 1700, in Sweden in 1753. In England it was adopted in 1752 by Act of Parliament, directing the 3rd of September to be styled as the 14th, as computed time had lost 11 days. This was called the change from old to new style. The Julian calendar, or old style, is still retained in Russia and Greece, whose dates consequently are now twelve days in arrear of other countries of the Western Hemisphere. It is also retained in the Greek and Armenian churches. Different nations have begun the year at different seasons or months. The Romans at one time considered it as the beginning of March, but afterward in January. The Greeks placed its commencement at the summer solstice. The Christian clergy used to begin it at the 25th of March and this style was practiced in England and in the American colonies until 1752 A.D., on the change from old style to new, when the 1st of January was adopted. In adjusting the different methods of computing time, or the division of time into days, months, and years, great advantage is derived from the invention of cycles. These are periods of time so denominated from the Greek word meaning a circle, because in their compass a certain revolution is completed. Under the term cycle may be included the Greek Olympiad, a period of four years, the Octaris, a period of eight years, the Roman Lustrum, a period of five years, 
and also the Julian year, or period of four years. The period of four hundred years, comprehended in the system of Gregory, may justly be termed the cycle of Gregory. Besides these, there are the lunar cycle, the solar cycle, the cycle of indiction, and the Julian period. The lunar cycle is a period of nineteen years. Its object is to accommodate the computation of time by the moon to the computation of the sun, or to adjust the solar and lunar years. The nearest division of the year by months is into twelve, but twelve lunations fall short of the solar year by about eleven days. Of course, every change in the moon and any year will occur eleven days earlier than it did in the preceding year, but at the expiration of nineteen years they occur again nearly at the same time. This cycle was invented by Meaton, an Athenian astronomer who lived about 430 BC. The improvement was at the time received with universal approbation, but not being perfectly accurate it was afterwards corrected by Eudoxus and subsequently by Callippus. The cycle of Meaton was employed by the Greeks to settle the time of their festivals, and the use of it was discontinued when these festivals ceased to be celebrated. The Council of Nice, however, wishing to establish some method for adjusting the new and full moons to the course of the sun, with a view to determining the time for Easter, adopted again the Meaton cycle, and from its great utility they caused the numbers of it to be written on the calendar in golden letters, which has obtained for it the name of the golden number. This name is still applied to the current year of the lunar cycle, and is always given in the almanacs. The solar cycle is a period of twenty-eight years. Its use is to adjust the days of the week to the days of the month and the year. As the year consists of fifty-two weeks and one day, it is plain that it must begin and end on the same day, and if fifty-two weeks and one day were the exact year, or if there were no leap year, the year would, after seven years, begin again on the same day. But the leap year, consisting of fifty-two weeks and two days, interrupts the regular succession of every fourth year, and the return to the same day of the week is not effected until four times seven, or twenty-eight years. This cycle is employed particularly to furnish a rule for finding Sunday, or to ascertain the dominical letter. Chronologers employ the first seven letters of the alphabet to designate the seven days of the week, and the dominical letter for any year is the letter which represents Sunday for that year. Tables are given for the purpose of finding it in chronological and astronomical books. The cycle of indiction is a period of fifteen years. The origin and primary use of this has been the subject of various conjectures and discussions. It seems to have been established by Constantine the Great in the fourth century as a period at the end of which a certain tribute should be paid by the different provinces of the empire. Public acts of the emperors were afterward dated by the years of this cycle. The Paschal cycle is a period of 532 years, after which Easter falls on the same day of the year. End of section 20